the whole of justice. month we've left the month of love behind with our very first mondays on the move i hope you checked it out it was a lot of fun to make it was fun that was fun uh, uh our first animated nice. sequence that was pretty cool yeah. uh um, got around to the local shop shout out to uh g mark comics exile on main street and jane adams bookshop it was a good time it was nice it was to good. get out change things up a bit uh but we're back to uh the old ways again and uh, this month we're talking growth. And to help us kick off the month of growth, we got Trudy Namara with us. Did I did I say that right? Did I get it right off the? Yes, Trudy Trudy Namara. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. We've that happens sometimes, or we don't clarify beforehand. That's what the the talks are for before we do this. That's what. <laughs> getting to know how to pronounce his name each other's names is it chase yes. is it chase yeah and we just is hope the conversation it, naturally it, comes around to it chaffe <laughs> is your name chaffe yeah oh chase chase yes mm-hmm. <laughs> ah well, how are you trudy it's us because you can't make a really good joke with chef oh sorry <laughs> go ahead <laughs> oh it's fine we get to play the lag game today any anybody who's watched for a long time mm-hmm knows all about this so always makes for the fun ones it does it does go ahead chef <laughs> or chase let oh. me ask me a question <laughs> okay chase I'm, I'm always said... curious what this sounds like on spotify for our people who who you know don't have that visual on the conversation <laughs> um they just have a little bit of quietness and then what's happening the suspense is killing me um okay well Trudy we asked you on the show today kick off the month of growth uh because when you sent in your resume to uh do acting stuff with Chase and Shep and all that um I was blown away I was like what does she not do um I mean everything that you've told me do I mean you you write you do stand up uh I mean the list just goes on and on and on um so I mean, there's so many different places we can start with this. Um, do you just do you just follow your heart? I think that's the best question I got off um, the jump. You just follow your heart, like what you love to do. I, um, I feel like it's funny enough that we're talking about growth because I think that for the longest time the answer has been no. I have not yeah. been following my heart like forever. Um, little quick background on me. I was like, you guys probably already know this, but for everybody listening, I grew up in Uganda 
and I came to the United States when I was 10, 11, and um, I was like, as an immigrant, introduced to the only medical route or, only, you know, if anyone who's an immigrant, who has immigrant friends knows this, it's like you have like four options when you come to this country, right? It's like you get to be a doctor, you get to be a lawyer, you get to be an accountant or something else that's like that or like something with tech. And I kind of just picked medicine, right? Because um, I could do it, you know? So I followed that route like since like 10 years old up until like literally two years ago, but um, simultaneously at the whole, like I had been like really passionate about comedy. I've been really passionate about writing. I've been really passionate about acting. Um, these are all of the things that I had main passions for, but it just gets really complex when you come to the country and you kind of just have to do what your parents are telling you type thing. And it's really hard to break out of that. And so one of the biggest sources of my growth has been separating from what, not just like the idea of what parents want, more like separating from like the yoke of like expectation was what it was. And that's kind of what has led me to have such a diverse quote resume is because like I each step of my journey has been trying to separate from expectation, basically. So that's been my, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, that's basically why yes. I have all of these things under my belt. I've been trying to go for my passions and now I feel comfortable enough to do them because I'm like, yeah, this is, this was nuts. Why was I doing what I wanted to begin with? <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. Um, I, I had a similar thing not too long ago. Uh, I think it was around the beginning of 2020 before the pandemic hit. Um, I kind of made the decision that I was going to go all in on the movie making thing and then really give it my all. Mm. And um, exactly what you said, it, it is very difficult to separate yourself from the expectations of like, again, mm. like you said, not just your parents, but you know, the kind of society as a whole, sometimes there's just these certain expectations that yeah. you think you got to meet. And um, it is hard to just say out loud, you know, I want to make movies for a living. That's what I want to do, you know? Uh, and uh, some people mm -hmm. don't take things like that seriously. I just watched uh, The Fablemans this week uh, that was supposed to kind of be about Spielberg's uh, life growing up and everything. And there's a scene that hit really hard for me where his dad, as supportive as he is, always refers to the filmmaking thing as a hobby. And he's always like, dad, don't call it a hobby. You know, it's this means a lot to me. And it, it is. It's very hard to break past that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important in growth uh, for anybody to be able to follow those passions. Yeah, no, I, I, com I completely agree. I feel like um, it's kind of weird, especially for um, the thing that's really annoying about passions is they don't shut up. Um, you keep thinking, like, at least that's what I, like, this has my, been my problem. I had always, I've always wanted to be a, specifically a writer, producer type thing, kind of my whole life. But like, you know, I was like, it'll shut up in a second, you know, just like one more year, it'll shut up, you know, like, okay, I'll get, I'll do good on the MCATs, it will shut up. I'll do, I'll get into medical school, it'll shut up. I'll be top of my class, it'll shut up. But it did not shut up. So, and I kind of had to make a, like a, it, it, you know, very big decision and I completely get what you mean like it doesn't if they you it, it's I hate cliches but there's a reason they exist you know like the heart wants what it wants type thing um and honestly like once you give it what it wants it's kind of crazy how 
your life is just better. Like the amount of like ambient serotonin <laughs> is like, oh, we're not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's always been the hurdle to try to convince the people that it's not a hobby. It's just, you know, a choice. But, you know, I've always just embraced it, you know, so what if it? You know, I've done music now for 20 years. It's like, so what if it's just a fucking hobby, you know? I, I just bought some shit the other day from money I made last year, my song streaming. Like, you know, like, if that's a hobby, cool. I'm cool with that. That's great, yeah. you know? Uh, so that's where I've always been. It's I want to ask you. Yo. Oh, sorry. I'm in <laughs> I wanted to ask you, like, what is it, like, as a person who's always wanted, or I guess, like, known what they wanted, what is that like? to be in it and be like i've always like you know like regularly been in that state or what do you think it's like to have not can you imagine what like a person's life would be without it you know does that make yeah. sense it's like yeah. i mean i think this about all shit. the time <laughs> well i think about all the time because i started doing music when i was like 16 um with all my buddies you know and we were just having fun but a lot of the decisions i've made based around my life has always been like if I could make it huge doing music, but I never wanted to make it huge doing music. So like, you know, I, for the longest time, I would just put music out for free. I was like, nah, you know, I don't want to charge people to make music, you know, like back in the day, way back in the day, I'm like, people probably made music and just sat on the side of the street and was playing it and people would come around and could listen. Like music should just be a thing, you know, it's a, a way to cope, a way to get by, you know, I'm just, making stories up as I go along here. So, you know, it's, it, I have those thoughts in my head, especially now, you know, we've talked about a little bit on the show when you, you know, I'm hitting 20 years doing that. I'm 35. I'm sitting here going, you know, do, do I still want to keep doing music? Do I want to do something else? And I've found that like, maybe if I do this, the voice will stop. And it's like, for me, I go in waves, mm. and I'm definitely in a spot right now where, like, creatively, it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not really stressed that I'm not making anything at the moment, but at the same mm -hmm. time, it's like, I really want to make something, but I just don't think that I've thought of the right thing yet. You know, it hasn't hit me yet. Like, I let it come to me. I'm not going in searching of it. I'm, I'll just let it come to me, and if it doesn't, so be it. Uh, but... Mm. Tay, I don't, I, it's hard to answer your question more specifically than like, you know, like I've thought that, you know, I thought like, what if I went to college out of high school and I got a, you know, but it's like, it would boils down to like, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at right now in life still. So it's like every choice I made, I still think was the right choice at the time because I'm still happy and I still got a lot ahead of me to, to fuck up or to get right. <laughs> Well, it's also like you said, you, oh, you know, true. passions don't really let you go, which is very true. Um, I've, especially lately, I've had a lot of these like sort of moments where I have to like ask myself, like, do I really want to make movies? Is this the path that I truly want to go down? Because it's so much work. And I've, I've brought myself to the, <laughs> the brink of total breakdowns before uh, trying to juggle everything. And at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I look at things and I'm like, well, the optional thing that it's adding all the stress is the filmmaking. I mean, that's the thing that I am choosing to do that is stressing me out so bad with this pile of things to do. Um, but mm. it's something that, you know, since I was four years old, I knew that I wanted to do something in movies. 
And no matter how many times I have that moment of like, I don't know if I can or should do this. Um, I always come back around cause I'm like, what else would I do? You know, I don't love anything like I love this. So. Mm. No, that, that's amazing. No, like it's really weird how like you can have such a intense feeling of certainty as a child. Isn't that like, like, I don't know. It just makes it for me. It always makes, like, I always think of kids as like, um, or childhood is like, you have always been aware to the same degree as you are today, yeah. but like, you just couldn't talk yet. You know, you right. couldn't articulate it yet. You couldn't, like, you know, I just think that's the only difference. And so I try to like, I think that even now when I'm like hard on myself, I'm like, girl, you, it's like, I still basically like equate most things I'm learning to like learning how to walk. Like I just figured this out, like for every new right. stage of my life, like, you just got here. Like you just learned how to walk. You cannot be this hard on yourself. Cause like it was just as hard when you couldn't, when one plus one was five, mm -hmm. you know, or something, you know, <laughs> Yeah. forever. I, <laughs> I just recently, um, we had a friend who was turning 25 and she asked, um, if we had any advice as she was turning 25. And I told her that when I turned 25, the way I looked at it was that if hypothetically we're supposed to make it to 50, and 25 is the halfway point, it's almost like you've got a whole other life ahead of you. You know, that next 25 years, mm -hmm. and I kind of saw it as starting over again at one with all of the knowledge that I have, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, and now we have another 25 years. And and I, I feel like the person I told that to was very, like it struck them like it struck me when I realized, I was like, you know what? That's not a bad way to think about it. Uh, that, you know, you're back to being at square one in a new set of your life, but you have all this new knowledge that you didn't have when you were a kid. Yeah. Mm. No, that, that's, that's a really good way to think about it, actually. Yeah. It is. I was going to say, I, uh, I do that, but I do that more with like separating out the uh, decades. You know what I'm saying? Like twenties, you got, you got a new stretch thirties. You got a new stretch. All right. I didn't do my thirties. Right. 40s it is like we're gonna get it there <laughs> right yeah um, hopefully we get oh, a that's, couple that's you know, completely fair <laughs> no um, i think that that's a, i think that's a really brilliant way to look at it um no that was it there you go ahead do that i don't know what i was gonna say i know that being somebody who's like you know when i say that i've always wanted to do the same thing since i was four years old like around the time I was getting out of high school and stuff, you know, everybody's going to college and trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And everybody starts getting really stressed yeah. out that they don't know what they want to do. And they, they started kind of looking at me mm -hmm. like I was some sort of standard. And I'm like, I'm the weird one. Like I'm the anomaly. Like you guys shouldn't know what you want to do. Like I'm the weird one who's always known. And, and I know that it's, Oh, weird. what's this? A, uh, a bot. Love it. Oh, it's, it's spam. It's a bot. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the comment, bot. It's a Twitch right. bot at least. Yeah, that's new. That's new. Typically, the bots <laughs> are on YouTube. It's good to see the bots stretching their legs today. Nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I like no, I but no, I completely agree with that. Um, just trying to be. Oh, I forgot. I was gonna say. I started thinking about the bots, and I was like, man, why are they here? <laughs> <laughs> What like, what happens if you actually respond to them? You know, like you know, what we'll happens next? I never go to the next step. Uh, 
You never know. It depends on bots. We usually get the, the Russian bots, and we usually yeah. rock them on the screen. Like, thanks, Russian bots. <laughs> you know, a couple of days ago, um, they, I so I have, like, a fake number, and I have, like, my main number. Because you never know. People are crazy, right? And so I have right. a Google Voice number. Right. Um, and, um, like, that's the one I usually give to, like, people I don't know yet. And like, but, and that's the one I usually put for like, if you're like ordering food online or something, cause you know, like they'll, you know, like there's just a number to throw away. Right. But then recently right. I started giving my real number and like, God, it's like, they crawl out of the woodwork, these things. Like I got a text like literally yesterday. It was yeah. like, <laughs> um, it was like, Hey Juan, where's my car? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's supposed to like get you to respond. And then they're yeah. like, Hey, and because I, I responded back because I generally thought this this guy was looking for his car. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, I don't have your car, man. It's not me. And then he was like, oh, I'm sorry to bug you. I hope you didn't destroy your your beautiful day. And then I got a text a second later that said the same thing. I'm like, guys, like, <laughs> you need a new template. Like, ChatGPT exists. You could make, like, a billion templates at least and, like, make this system a lot more efficient. Um, anyway, that's my thing on bots. <laughs> Well, I've had I've had my phone number that I have right now since 2016, and I still get calls for the person that had the phone number beforehand. And they're they're from people no. close enough. They're from people close enough to this person that I'm like, how 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 have you not contacted them this long? <laughs> like you are grandma right now. You're like, hey hey, miss you, love you, Graham. You know, like oh no, okay. my grandma no, passed a- away. Oh, there's a Dave bot in the chat. They're, oh, we got a Dave bot. They're everywhere. Where's the Dave bot? Hi, Dave cool, bot. <laughs> Can I get a wolf the bot in the chat? Um. <laughs> um. Oh well. Oh, but on to uh, like career. Well, like we'll just circle back. To, circle back to career growth. Um, I hate that phrase. So circle back. Every time I say it, I want to <laughs> shoot myself. But anyway, we'll come back to it. Um, but like, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what is your, what are your thoughts on, um, like, personal growth for your own goals? Like, any goals that you have? Like, for example, I know, Chase, you're about to have a, um, a kid. Congratulations. Um, what are your, like, how do you feel with your, like, your personal goals and things that you've created for yourself outside of your career? I might have to take that one in. Um <laughs> Like, do you mean just personal goals in general, or I guess? Um, yeah, you know, like emotional goals, like, you know, something you used to, like, for example, I'll, I'll give an example, like, um, and, like, for example, recently, I just realized, like, I had a lot of, like, attachment to people's ideas of, like, not myself, but ideas of what I wanted them to think of myself. So it's not really like, like I used to be very much like a place of like, I don't care what people think, like baseline. Um, And I had a lot of pride in that, but it also stopped me from like engaging with people in a healthy way. So like I'm going through things right now where I'm trying to like actively engage. Um, And just noticing, maybe recently I've noticed a pattern about yourself is what I mean, I guess, that you're like, I can change this. And like, what have you changed with it and stuff like that? I gotcha. Um, I guess for me right now, the big thing with personal growth is uh, finding balance and everything. Um, uh, like we were talking about before the show, already spinning tons of plates as it is, um, and adding uh, a newborn baby on top of that in a few months is not gonna make matters any easier. Um, but I do know when it comes to the creative 
endeavors, um, a lot of it is self-inflicted. Um, I, I get ideas in my head that it's like, oh, it has to be this way. And if we've said it once, we've said it a billion times on this show that every so often we, we have to have this conversation with each other where it's like, we are chasing ship. Like the, the ceiling doesn't go any higher. There's nobody else above us. We do get to make the calls of, you know, what comes out when and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I think I just stress myself out on timelines and stuff. And like I was telling him, we're always racing the clock and we need to get better about planning our shit out to where we're not like making it literally like weeks before it comes out. Um, we, yeah, bad, bad habit of, uh, piling on too much, but it comes out of pure ambition. You know, we're just so excited to do, to get every idea out of our head. Um, and it's just kind of figuring out what to let go of what's more important, um, from day to day. Cause you know, I watch a, a three-year-old boy, almost four, you know, newborn baby on the way. This is just, it's a, it's a lot. So on top of that, trying to be creative and find the time to cut out, to schedule things, shoot things, write things, edit things, um, it can be a bit much after a while. So definitely just trying to find that balance of, you know, how do I keep my head and not uh, quit at any of this or half-ass one or the other. You know, I don't want to half-ass being a parent and half-ass doing filmmaking when I could, you know, full, fully be given something my all, you know, so that's, that's what I got. No, that's <laughs> oh, and whoops. Sorry, Dave, Bot, you get to you today. Oh, I, I was highlighting them. I accidentally, I, <laughs> I accidentally hit a button. It's still or or Dave bought some um, craftier than we think. For me, I guess this year, personally, I mean, I really haven't thought of having any like mental, emotional sort of goals for the year. Um, but the the one thing that I do know is that like I don't know I've slacked on um, really taking care of how the outside of my house looks. You know I got some stuff that's a little overgrown. I could actually get out there and like cut stuff down, you know, and whatnot. So I do know that that's a goal for like the summer and coming up is like you know let's make this outside look pretty cool we got the inside looking good now so like let's get the, outside. Get the literal growth outside the literal okay. growth yeah um yes um yeah i don't know man i i would like to to find i i, I feel like in doing that i will find the emotional growth that i can't think of you know right now i think doing that might bring something new. I might feel a lot better, you know, when the outside of my house is looking cool and, you know, getting out outside more in touch with nature, growing things, you know, learning how to grow stuff. There's a tons of stuff. I've had strawberry seeds yeah. forever and I've been like, I want to know how to grow strawberries. So maybe this is the year I learned how to grow some yeah. delicious strawberries. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and like I said, and, and a lot too, I mean, I guess, I guess I, you know, for the emotional side, a lot of that has came with the, um, you know, just the whole argument in my head because, you know, coming up on, you know, hitting the 20 year mark, like we've talked about here with the music, it's like, I like to do things in like a pattern, you know, like a, a block. So it's like, well, am I going to do enough five years at least music where I'm like putting at least something out mm -hmm. once a year? Um, you know, that'll take me into my 40s. You know, do I want to be doing this in my 40s? Do I want to, you know? Uh, and how does that look, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of a lot of that's been like, oh, you know, well, it's like 
I don't have to go play concerts. I don't have to go to open mics every week and be trying to prove myself and doing that. Like I can literally just put songs out whenever I feel like it and people can bop them if yeah. they want, or, you know? So that's kind of where my year's been with that. Okay. A bit awesome. No, that, that's really cool. I liked hearing both of you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, what about yourself? <laughs> oh, for like my own like emotional growth stuff? Yeah. Or... Oh, sick. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what is it? Um, I kind of touched on it. Yeah, just trying to figure out my relationship with the other um, external to myself, literally mm -hmm. people. Um, I feel like I... Uh, what I, like I told you when I came to the stateside, like I didn't speak English very well, right? So um, I was often like an observer in most um, like social interactions, um, and that also put me an observer into like this an observer in this sorry <laughs> English, this observer state, um, like in my own life as well. And so like I'm recently just been trying to be like more active and more interactive because usually like I'll just be like chilling like i'll usually just be like, just like in my own little world and that like obviously hasn't uh and now it's that also affected my my ability to create too so i think that the big wake, wake up call for me was like uh like chef said like when the, like when the muse comes like you just gotta follow it when it comes and you just kind of interact with it and i had realized like i had this internal thing where i wasn't really willing to follow what my muse wanted because i was like nah i can't like actually create any of the stuff that I have written because I don't want it. I like to remain in the observer. Like once people, I meaning I'm gonna be more specific. Like I wrote a book, I wrote it, I finished that 2020, like it's done. Like I could be setting it to publishers. It's like, it's just sitting there. And I'm like, I just have always been in a state of like, I will, I have this whole anthology of stuff and I just don't interact with them inside of the outside world. So for me, my biggest, pride and joy right now is like engaging and like, you know, finally got to meet Chase, you know, like these just kind of like trying to like enter the world and like be an active member. Um, and so that that is kind of my current thing with like emotional growth. And, um... Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they've had a comment. <laughs> uh, yep. Can't really work it. Uh, you know what's funny, um, the, Dave? I think I was supposed to be in that documentary, but I think that uh, I was out of town. I'm always out of town, and every time Desi wants to talk to me, uh, Desi's the guy who runs the scene comedy, um, Desi Tuttle, and um, he's really cool dude. But like, I'm just never around. Um, <laughs> but um, so, if we're gonna talk about comedy real quick. I um, did stand-up comedy. I started senior year. I went under, I did undergrad at University of Illinois and I started comedy senior year and that was around 2018, 2017, something like that. And um, I was, I did really good. Like, <laughs> um, and I, but then like I just brought up the feeling of being the observer kicked in. Like I'd been putting, like, I think my whole life I've been trying to fight the, the tendency to want to be an observer. But uh, when I started doing stand-up comedy, I was no longer the observer. I'm the one discussing and I'm the one engaging. And um, that started to freak me out. And I was like, oh, wait, like people are actually listening. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I started to do this like silly back away thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I did it every week for like two and a half years. And then uh, I haven't done it recently because I travel a lot because I write a lot. And so I have to always be somewhere 
getting some sort of content, but I do dearly miss stand-up comedy and I do intend to go back this year. Um, but I will be back, Dave. Um, March is a year, is a March of, March is a March of freedom. So I'm getting really excited for that. So I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> and you can record a set if you want. And I'd love to meet you. I thought you were, I thought he was a bot, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how good of an actor Dave is. He's, very He's top notch, top notch. Now I know exactly what you're saying though, <laughs> with the, um, being on stage and being the observer type of person and having that realization while you're on fucking stage that oh fuck like everybody's listening to me yeah. right now they're all watching me right now like mm -hmm. and uh i've done i've only yeah. done it once in the whole times that i've performed on stage really i've only done it once where i've let that take over and i was like thinking inside my head and then i was like oh shit i'm supposed to be rapping right now and i ain't saying anything and yeah. everybody's just looking at me and i'm like damn um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saved it that night. I saved it. I knew where in the, I knew when the course is, you know, I've done music for a while. So it's like, I know where things are coming yeah. in at. So it's like, if I just start making stuff up right now, nobody knows this song right now. They're not <laughs> going to know any different. So they, and they didn't. Um, <laughs> and I saved it. Uh, yeah, that is okay. a, <laughs> well, that's, a, a, we love when it's artfully it's saved. Like a, Good job. Yeah. <laughs> It's a terrifying uh, realization to have, though, when you're on that stage and you realize, mm. and, like, this is my person at, like, oh, fuck. Like, mm. I've uh, I've always been in love with stand-up comedy, um, and I, I had also tried my hand at it for a, a little while. Um, it's been years. I think the last time I did it was maybe 2017, 2018. Uh, by about the time you're taking over, I, I hung up the mic. Um, but it, it was always so challenging for me to like figure out what worked best for me on stage. And I know if I took the time to just keep going to the open mics and figure it out, I, I would have eventually. Um, but to give a polar opposite example of, of his saving the day artistically, um, I'll never forget one of the times, uh, like, Easily the hardest I've ever bombed on a stage ever uh, was doing an open mic at Canopy Club. And um, I was starting in on a joke that had to do with the girl that I was seeing at the time. And she walked in just as I was doing the joke. And I just stopped telling the joke. Like just mid-joke, oh. I just stopped telling the joke and just switched gears and just started telling a different joke. And just like it was... A train wreck. I just got so I didn't expect her to walk in when she walked in, and I was just like, "Oh my god, how embarrassing!" She had because it would I feel like it would be different if she was there for the whole thing, but the fact that she just like walks in and it's like this motherfucker's doing yeah. a joke about me, but See, that's some oh, shit we no. need to save and write and put in, put in our shit. Yeah. yeah, that would be that'd be a great that bit sounds right actually there. really funny. The I, best like, not natural, but that just sounds like. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. I'm just imagining the scene unfold in front of your eyes. Like you're mid, like, yeah, this bitch. And then it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, that that bitch, actually. Yeah, and uh, completely had to reverse uh, <laughs> where I was going with the joke. Um, it was, what a I'm glad nothing no, like that. that's okay. That's not as bad. But. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, um, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, geez. Okay. Um, what is it? I um, so I, I didn't. Uh, something that happened to me. Uh, one of my my more recent sets, um, where I like just did really bad was because I didn't know kids were in the audience, and I don't. I didn't know I had a fear of children. Um, but like, um, most of my jokes are like really, really heavy or really raunchy or something like that. And like my whole li like my whole like career at like st doing stand up was like there was never a child in the audience. I was at a bar. I was safe. Um, but I was at this like fundraiser event, and I was like asked to go and be the comic for it. And I was super excited. I was like, thank goodness, I can just go crazy and we raise some money for these. I can't remember the cause, and that's how that's part of the problem. <laughs> um, wait, no. Um, I think it was for. Oh, I remember what it was. It was like Black History Month or something. And but it was like they were doing something with like the Latino and Black community. And so I was like, dude, I got jokes for days. Let's go. Um, and then I get there, and like I swear they were hiding the kids. Like I get in there, and like I see mostly adults. And you know when you get into the room for stand up, and you kind of have to read the room. It doesn't matter. Like you have to have like all these jokes ready for like. It's most women, it's mostly men. I see like yeah. older people, you know, like mm -hmm. different races. Like, let me figure out, you know, and tweak my jokes around. No kid in sight. I was like, boom, let's go. I get on stage and like three or seven kids appear and they filter into the first, the front fucking row <laughs> of the damn place. And I literally forget my whole set. And I'm like, mm. I saw like, they're like, Trudy Amara. And I'm like, and I get on there and I'm like, you kids like games? Like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I just got so worried about them hearing yeah, curse words you... and me being like, 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 if you had told me before, I could have made, like, kid jokes. Um, anyway, I don't think it was intentional. I think people just, like, you know, could, couldn't get a babysitter type thing. But, yeah. There have been I've worse. definitely been there in those positions Chase. where it's like, you gotta. Bad as that. Yeah, I, I I've been in a position before where it's like I didn't uh, like pre-read the room, I guess, and I I'm getting up there and like I'm doing jokes like almost exclusively about Wu Tang Clan and kung fu movies in the moment because I, I that was a lot of what was going on in my life at that time. So I'm talking about that and I lock eyes with the front two people in the audience which just happens to be like the only black dude and the only chinese dude in the whole place and i'm just like here i am up on stage just doing nothing but jokes about rap music and kung fu movies and the the chinese dude after the fact uh schooled me in kung fu movies he he had to set some records straight and i'm just like i feel like such an ass oh, no. <laughs> after the fact I'm like <laughs> i did not gauge this room at all <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I'm glad I never comedy. I I commend anybody who does comedy, like really does comedy, because uh, it it is by far like if somebody was like, "Hey, you're given the State of the Union tomorrow," I'd be like, "Let's go, let's do it." But if you're telling me I got a 15 minute yeah. set on a stage, absolutely not. I refuse. <laughs> when you never find the person. Um, <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say, I think I'd have to do the Chris Farley method and just be obnoxiously loud and make funny noises and hurt myself. That's like Chris Farley. That's yeah, that's, Chris a, that's Farley. a type of comedy too. There's an audience for that. Mm -hmm. As I say, like blend him with like Jackass on stage, and I think people would uh, they'd at least be like, "Well, he fucking hurt himself. That was funny." <laughs> when all else fails. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit the Steve. Yeah. Oh, hey, you want to see me staple my nutsack yeah. to my leg? 
Like, yeah, okay. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> Jokes didn't work. Okay. <laughs> Another <laughs> one. <laughs> Another staple. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, um, no, I forgot what I was going to say. I get stuck on visuals. I'm like, wow, this is intense visual. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the comedies I I have not, I don't get things, right? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. I I don't get stage fright. Like, I don't, I think, like, the the levels of dissociation in this mind, (laughs) like, I am not thinking about who's out there. Um, Like, the, my thing is I'm always, like, my worst critic, and that's, like, the, I guess, the crop topic of growth is I'm always, like, I'm never scared of what people are gonna worry or say. It's more, like, what are you think of yourself later? I'm like, whoa, so like, we're, we're, it's a growth. Right. Uh, I feel like I get stage fright. I get stage anxiety. I just start thinking of dumb shit in my head. Like I I don't want to jump up and down. Cause what if I jump up and I like one of my legs goes through this fucking stage <laughs> right here, and, and, you know, and I'll be like, so I should probably not do that. And then, then I'll be like, oh, people are probably like, Looking at me, staring at the ground, thinking, "What the fuck's he looking?" Oh, I should probably look, at, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I've never. I I don't think I've ever really had stage fright per se. Um, I've there have been a few moments where, like, I learned about myself when it came to like doing uh, like stage theater. Um, once I learned the lines in the book, I could not look at it anymore. Like as soon as I I put them to memory i had to get rid of the book uh i had a cousin who i would do plays with and he he'd be behind the curtain like every time before he goes out on stage looking over his lines and i couldn't do that because anytime i did do that i would forget everything once i got on stage and then i'd just be you know you know fiddling with my thumbs like i don't know i don't know what i'm supposed to say at least luckily when that happened later in life i at least had the wherewithal to keep the scene going one time I forgot the mail, and, they, and I was the mailman. They're like, "You forget something?" I'm like, "I don't think so." And they're like, I, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, nothing." Thank God I was the dopey mailman. Oh, it worked for the it worked for the the joke. Then it's all good. It all, it's all. I I um I love plays, but. I, and I was just recently in one actually um, for Parkland. Like they had one in October, and I was like lead in that one. But I love the theater because it's such a weird form of production where you have to remember everything all at once every time. I like I kind of like as I was doing the play, I was like, man, I miss I miss scenes. I miss just being able to shoot a scene, the same line, same set of lines a couple of times. <laughs> You know, you get like addicted to that when you're uh, yeah. you're shooting TV or television or movies or whatever, um, and then you're in a play and you're like, you got to do that whole thing for two hours each time, seven I know, days a I week. Have the opposite so. problem. Anytime, <laughs> almost any time I audition anybody, um, I usually don't have to ask. At this point, I ask because I already know the answer. But like the way people will do a read, you can tell if they are theater people or if they are are film actors because there's just such a big difference and and it's the theatrics the projection yeah yeah (laughs) yes and so anytime i've had an audition with somebody who 
might be so talented on the stage, you know, just impeccable acting. And then they have to do something that's film related and you realize just how unnatural they are <laughs> and having to like make them mm -hmm. unlearn everything that's been put into their heads on the stage yeah. um, can definitely be <laughs> a challenge as I've learned. That's been probably the biggest lesson I've had doing like film stuff. Oh over yeah. The year. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. It's kind of like learning how to like relax. Um, mm -hmm. like, I feel, like I've been doing back and forth like the past like couple of years and like I've been like, from like since like high school, I'd, and I've been like doing like, cause like I direct my own little short things, and then like I work with other people on theirs, and so like the difference of like having a camera like this close to your face versus having an audience like a hundred yeah. or thirty feet, a hundred or thirty to one hundred fifty feet away is like so different, and like you're completely right. The way they train you in, in theater is like you have to be like, what? I can't believe that happened. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Who actually yeah. reacts like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like you're like. Like a lot of it's with your eyes and I really enjoy yeah. like acting for um, TV or like movies or anything because it's just like it's a lot more your eyes and like your facial expressions and if like, you can really be super intense just like with those alone and it's so fun. Yeah. I love it so much. That's yeah, that's why, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, I'll, I'll put myself in these situations where I feel so stressed out by the, the creative stuff that we're doing that should be the most fun. But it's because we always set that like ticking clock on things. Whereas, you know, with Flip and Susie, um, this is the first time doing something a little different. You know, this is also like you were saying earlier that you and your partner were wanting to start doing some more serious projects and submit. That's what Flip and Susie is to me. You know, it's we're doing something a little more serious, something I'm looking to submit to film festivals and everything. But I, I was very adamant about acting in it just because I, I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted the chance to do an acting part where I do get to be more dramatic and use the the facial acting a little more than just the 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 comedy and uh the outlandish mm -hmm. you know horror elements and stuff um but yeah i'm i mean i'm really looking forward to it as an actor you know but yeah that's facts what's your both of y'all's like favorite like who's your biggest horror inspiration or your um like top three like favorite influences hmm. it's easy for me well then you go ahead bud i mean bruce campbell has got to be at the top of that yeah. list you know what i'm saying like for me especially coming in the stuff we're doing acting wise uh mm -hmm. yeah all day um i would also say um uh matthew lillard tops that i mean come on he did great yeah he did great in the stew and scream you know he did great as shaggy and scooby-doo yeah you know like those 13 ghosts and uh i'd say probably this one's not uh this one's not well if we're going in horror i would say um hmm probably i would Robert England, Robert England, Freddy Krueger. That was very influential in my life, you know. I only have three, so I don't want to waste them, you know. Uh, but I know that, you know, I, I feel like I'd have to go with Rob Zombie because he was responsible for getting me into horror. Uh, his remake of Halloween was kind of the door 
into everything else for me, which obviously led to John Carpenter, which was, you know, huge. All of John Carpenter's stuff was huge for me. Um, and uh, then I would almost say I, I would have to pick a movie in particular that changed everything for me horror-wise. That was Cabin in the Woods. Um, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, and as soon as I saw it, it not only from a horror perspective, but just a, as a, a lover of storytelling, I just was blown away by this movie and how I think the biggest lesson to take from that is, and Edgar Wright does a good job at this too, that if you know the rules, you can break the rules and you can lean into cliches. You don't, you shouldn't be afraid of the cliches. Once you know how to master those things, you can warp them into all sorts of new things. And um, that was a big game changer for mm -hmm. me. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I, um, mine are like, I, you know what? I asked you all this and I was like, I don't even know if I got a three. And like, as y'all were talking, I'm like, wow, <laughs> they just know their names off the top of their head. Uh, what is it? I like, um, a lot of mine are authors, like book authors. So I don't know if you've heard, um, he doesn't explicitly write horror, but like I, he writes very creepy shit. Um, so Joseph Conrad, it's like, oh, he's dead. But like, it's like old stuff. He wrote like Heart of Darkness. Um, it's like a, that one's about, um, basically like colonization in Congo, but he does like a really, really good job describing nature in not as terrifying way. Like he just literally is just like, it's just green. Like he will just like the way he'll describe the way their landscape is can be really haunting just by just naming what's there. Um, and so I really like the way that, so I tend to like authors and creators who just make terrifying the simple like simple things are the most terrifying thing like the way that um like dirt collects on the outside of like a pot or something you know like just like the way that you can like zoom in on those and like those really simple things to show decay and like you know um just like really cool things like that so i really enjoy um artists who do that i like um oh i like takashi hmm, yeah takashi simizu the director of um Grudge, The Grudge, the original creator mm -hmm. of The Grudge movies. So I love a lot of Japanese horror. I feel like it like partners a lot with showing how nature is both evil and the savior. Um, and also like, obviously Junji Ito, that's the guy who makes yeah. like, who made that video game everyone likes, but like he made he mostly writes other like Japanese horror stuff. So um, those are really, really good for me. Um, what, are, what particular aspects of those creators that you mentioned, like really like, made you feel like well i mean you mentioned kevin the woods and what you liked about it but yeah. um Shep, well i feel like i have to, to why you like add like an, an addendum i guess because when you said an author i don't know why i wouldn't i feel like i just need to take the rob zombie john carpenter thing and just squeeze it into halloween like halloween was a very influential film all, all versions of it but stephen king <laughs> i literally have all of his books back there um mm -hmm. stephen king is, is one of the biggest uh horror influences um and it, it's just again that love of writing i mean that man can write like nobody's business and even sometimes when you're not even asking them to you're like i don't need you to explain these things to me but damn it if you're not gonna go into detail about every little part of this book you know? and it's it's admirable i love his yeah. world building um so i guess for me um a lot of those were just like uh so the people with mine was um 
you know, like Bruce Campbell and, and Robert England, those were like uh, Evil Dead, Fred, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Those were just movies that were on television a lot when I was growing up. So, you know, Freddy, I, I could watch Nightmare on Elm Street because, you know, although Freddy Krueger kind of kind of freaked me out when I was young, I'm like, but he's still kind of funny. You know what I'm saying? And that. And uh, Bruce Campbell was just because he was just, he, he looked like he could be me. You know, he, he's an everyday guy, you know, in my opinion, that just somehow found himself in a movie and with a director that could be like, Hey, come be in this movie. Hey, come be in this movie. And then people realize he could do some serious stuff and he could do it. And he just made a career out of it, but he doesn't look like the type that you would see there. But he, he also always came off to me as the type, um, you know, if I just seen the guy, if, you know, if I wasn't like, Holy fuck, if I was just like, Hey, groovy and just kept, you know, he'd be like, Hey, you know, what's up? He wouldn't give a shit, you know? Um, but one that I did think of that I didn't, because, you know, I, I've i only done stuff as, like, acting-wise. Um, but with uh, what you guys were saying, um, you know, if I was going to go into direct something, like a, a director that really, uh, from when I was young, that I loved uh, was Alfred Hitchcock. Um, just the, the, the ah. birds. It's like, you know, he made birds fucking terrifying to me as a kid. Like, when I'd see crows or a blackbird or anything, I'd be like, holy shit. When I was a little kid, just because of that movie, just being all fucking insane and shit. Um, and, it, you know, it's bird. You know, they're out, they're everywhere. So it's like, right. you know, when you're saying that, taking like the, the simplest things and, and making that fear and stuff, it's like I always I always really enjoyed those kind of movies growing up. So if I, I think if I was uh, getting to sit in like a, a director's chair of anything, um, people like him, Sam Raimi. Yeah. You know, those are the those are definitely like the directors I'd be looking back at, um, just to see. You know, I'm a I'm a sucker for like those like hardcore indie filmmakers like Sam Raimi and Robert Rodriguez, and so I mean I just idolized these yeah. people because of their their story, how they you know just well and George George thing. Romero George Romero, yeah, that that was a big one too growing up like if i if i was going like straight directors i i would say like those three would probably be where i was like yeah those three i i, I were the most influential um an important one do you think matthew would is the, play a better bruce campbell or could bruce portray a better matthew honestly i i feel like i could say, say wholeheartedly that matthew could do a better bruce i was gonna i was gonna honestly say the same thing Matthew Lillard, I loved it, man. If you go back and you watch the original Scream movie and you just know in the ending and stuff and just pay attention to, like, his character throughout the whole thing, it's like he really acted the fuck out of that movie. Like, he he was probably one of the top ones in it. And I just found out recently that apparently um, he's in the background of the second movie in certain spots. Oh, that's funny. And and they were going to set up that he like comes back from the dead, but I think at the time they said that that's when like Columbine happened, and they kind of wanted to detach the franchise from high school, so they're like oh. nah, throw that out. Um, but no, yeah. like you know, I, I was gonna say fun fun Matthew Lillard story. Um, this guy that I used to know was a professor at UCLA and um you know, taught theater there and was the teacher for actors like jack black and cal Penn and all sorts of people and one year he was directing a production of uh, midsummer night's dream and there were roles for 
I think like 12 men and 13 men auditioned. And the one that didn't get the part was this total stoner burnout guy that he thought was going to go nowhere in life. And it was Matthew Lillard. And he didn't get the part in the play. And then would go on to play one of the most famous stoner burnouts of all time. You know, so. Yeah, and that's and that's why, like, as a coming from an actor's perspective, like I've always had mad respect for that dude because, yeah, you know, he, he killed it as Shaggy, he killed it as a literal like high school killer, and but my favorite, like, he was in one of my all time favorite movies, which was SLC Punk, where you know, growing up, I was in that, I was a little punk kid, skater kid, doing my thing, and you know, getting to watch that movie and that the whole whole overall to- tone of that is basically like you're gonna sell out eventually like everybody's got to grow up you gotta you gotta give in like the system is in place and there's nothing we can do and um just you know there's just a lot of themes within that movie like i thought that that's the movie when i finally when i saw that i'm like this motherfucker can act okay because that made me feel things at the end of that movie <laughs> If I could I like, pivot the conversation from horror, um, what are some of your favorite like stand-up uh, comics and stuff, or like specials or anything? Um. Oh man, mine have grown as we have. <laughs> so, I, I, funny enough, I used to watch so much uh, Louis C.K. pre problematic yeah. era. You know, just really good. Right. I loved it. Like, I even watched the show a little bit, the Louis show. Um, yeah. Yeah, like that was like he was like one of my favorites forever. Um, I can list him if it would be easier. Uh, Bill Burr is really good. He's really grown. Um, I've been very surprised to see how he's grown um, because uh, we'll, well, let's just list first, and then we'll come back. Um, Bill Burnham is like really top top. He's like you know one of those like depressed comics who are just been yeah. doing happy shit for like most of the career. And then like everyone like when this when his new special came, everyone's like he's depressed. I'm like. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just very fun to see it, how he, I was like, the, the signs have been there. Um, Cause everyone was used to his like funnier, like the way he played the piano more like gingerly and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and Cat Williams, obviously. Um, that was the first person I was like, this guy is a ridiculous person. Um, if you've seen Cat Williams, he's like the, if you've heard of him, he's just, Separate, well, just to be discussed, but those uh, four are like kind of like top, top, top. Yeah. Mm. What about y'all? Oh, excellent choices. I'd put Bo on my top five for sure. Um, Inside was one of my favorite specials I think I've ever seen. I saw that one at the theater. I, I loved it so much. Um, and oh. uh, Dane Cook was my comic of choice growing up. Mm. Um, I used to get all of his CDs. And actually, um, I used to. For, for you kids out yeah. there, they used to have these of compact course. discs, CDs, where they would put What's the actual, that? like, stand-up specials on there. Um, and uh, I, me and my buddy, we loved getting um, Adam Sandler CDs. And because uh, they'd have the skits on there, they'd have the songs, like, uh, that, was, that was always some of my favorite as well. But yeah, comedy, mm-hmm. comedy's interesting these days. <laughs> with with how the world has changed it's, it's always interesting to see how comics are going to handle the change i know one that i've yeah. watched recently that um, i really like is ronnie yeah. chang oh ronnie chang is interesting oh <laughs> like that's the um, do you guys see me three and megan 
Yes, did I just did. Yeah. I haven't watched okay. it now. So he was it. He was, no, it's not a spoiler. He's in it. Um, just like that's who we're talking about, right, Chang? Like, the, yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's good. How do you feel? Uh, so how do you feel then about like Hassan Minaj, like those areas of comedy? I, I, I actually I don't think I've ever actually watched Hassan Minaj's. Yeah, no, I just don't think I've seen uh, No, I love Ronnie Chang, too. No, no, I was kind of saying it, so I was like, if you know him, if you don't, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, like, Ronnie Chang's really funny. Um, it's, it is interesting to see, like, this new generation of, um, not necessarily generation, but this new era that is coming out, um, and I hate this word, but, like, post-politically correct era time, where it's yeah. like, you now, like, everything is so dependent on your awareness at the moment and, like, how can you be... A person who can create because com- comedy is just inherently making fun of the tragedies of the world and most tragedies are offensive um and so it's kind of like how can you really right. create comedy in a way that is going to not piss anybody off um yeah. other than being who's that i don't remember his name there's like this clean act this clean comic um anyway but yeah no, it just seems like we're in a very sensitive time period for everybody um yeah so one thing that not, not, not to say that it's not important what yeah. <laughs> yeah. one thing that I've uh, recently found in comedy that um, just hurts, <laughs> I feel like one could say this about musicians, actors, or whatever, but I feel like stand-up comics um, have a time limit. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I think some people can mm. keep doing comedy forever, um, but something that I've seen frequently, I just watched Chris Rock's special that he did uh, the other night. And um, he did the same thing that Dane Cook did with one of his last specials, which is like, it was almost sad to watch. You know, like it was sad to watch in the case of like, it's almost like the whole show was less about telling jokes and more about being like, look at me, look who I am. Like I'm, you know, Chris Rock, I'm Dane Cook. Like laugh at me because I'm like one of the best that there is. And it's just so hard to watch like it's just so depressing to watch these these comics oh. that used to be so funny just being like you know i'm still important i'm still here i'm the greatest of all time and it's like this isn't comedy this is you gloating for an hour and it's yeah. just painful mm-hmm. i i i completely agree there's like definitely a shelf life and it, it like but like it's not a mandatory shelf life it's just you have to evolve with the audience you're working with and yeah. you can't just expect to come back in like 20 years later and like think that everyone's gonna just be excited to see you like people like there's a region of watchers first of all so duh and then second of all like the things that like humanity has evolved and so like the the things that make people laugh have as well and like it, it's just it is very sad because like same thing's happening right with dave chappelle right it's like mm-hmm. what are you doing bud like every, every special he releases i'm like what you doing <laughs> you're just standing there like posturing like you just said like just like look at me and i'm like yeah look at you um like maybe switch back to you know and like sometimes the the comics you know no one i don't think anyone really got into comedy to stay in comedy i don't think especially stand up i mean you know um it mostly seems like an avenue to create just so you can start something new like like for example like jordan deal like like him like it seems like most stand-up comics like or comic comics have obviously are, are people so they have different sides of themselves and it seems like everyone's just trying to give people enough so that we can that, that way they can show who they really are and i feel like if you're 
a comic and you don't take that extra step to be like, and now let me show you who I am in whatever avenue you end up going, you your art kind of becomes stale. And I feel like that, I worry that might've been what happened with Chris Rock or with Dave Chappelle, you know, and, you know, so they're just like some interesting factors that people always have to be in this like extremely meditative state as an artist, because being a comic is being an artist. You just always yeah. have to be making sure you're evolving, not just with the times, but with like yourself. Like Shep said this really well earlier, like, oh, like I look at it as like every 10 years, like what am I gonna, what am I gonna fix about the past? Like mm -hmm. fucked up this, let me fix this the next two years. And, you know, and you mentioned even like viewing the future, like I'm going to start over at year one. Like you gotta be looking at yourself as an artist in that same way. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to these artists that we're talking about right now, like we hope and pray that they do do that. But also when we look at it, like look, look at ourselves here, it's like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work to stay self-aware. It's so much easier, especially once you get money. I don't know. It's such a different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The money will do that. That makes sense. That was, I kind of, that was just kind of like me being like, kind of. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. I definitely think, I know I heard somebody talking about uh, Vince Vaughn once about how Vince Vaughn kind of did like a string of movies that was more like kind of corny comedies, more family friendly stuff. And, and Vince Vaughn was just like, that's just where I'm at in life. I got kids, you know, I'm not trying to do all this raunchy stuff right now, but right now I just want to do this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and now he does a lot of uh, serious roles as well. And I think comedians are some yeah. of my favorite serious actors ever. Adam Sandler and Vince Vaughn and oh. all these people that are considered like serious. But, um, well, we're coming to a close. At least I definitely agree. Yeah. So, uh, so, sorry, that damn lag, that damn lag. Uh, I, I'd say we did pretty good with the lag. All things. I think we did. did. I think we did. I'd say we did pretty good. I, yeah. <laughs> so we'll close it out. I'm leaving it so you can tomorrow. say something. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Now you go. No, I was going to say thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this um, and having the conversation. I liked that it was very chill and that we didn't have like a direction to go. It just felt like we were just vibing, which has been nice. Oh, yeah. We talked about growth. There's life. Mondays for the mind. We're just getting Mondays that mind right. Let's start the week out. One time for um, the mind. Any closing thoughts? I guess I'll go. I, I always go last or whatever. Uh, closing thoughts, I'll say. Um, just just go for it just do what you want to do uh, follow your heart or it, it, you know as much as you can so grow with the times grow with the times there you go <laughs> yeah. and then i do oh okay i'll say and then for like anybody you know are you <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it okay so like I was saying, like for anybody who's listening or just trying to figure out whether or not they should go for whatever they're trying to go for, like we just talked about throughout this whole thing. Um, the answer is yes, it, it absolutely sucks more to not do it. Um, even if like there can be so many factors stopping you, especially if you come from like a hard culture or from a world where um, your opinion isn't really ready, ready to listen to, you are the only person who's opinion you will listen to ever that matters because it's you. You live with yourself. You've lived with yourself your whole life. You were born with you. 
kind of all you got is you. And so like really valuing that and not resenting that um, would be the best way to start knowing how to go after your passions and start to really grow with not only your career, but also with like your personal things you want. So that's how I understand it. Awesome. Thanks guys. I love it. Love it. Thank you very much for joining us, Trudy. It's Hell been yeah, a thank you. fantastic conversation this evening. Um, and until then, I guess we'll see Likewise. everybody next week with uh, Weston Hasty, aka Magic Man Mo. Um, and well, great chat. It was really fun to learn more about you, Trudy. Next episode, can you take us through your complete David Spade collection, Chase? I don't even know if I own a single David Spade movie. What? You don't have Black Sheep? You don't have Tommy Boy? No, I'm sorry, guys. I just got Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. It's. No, a, I just saw a bunch pop up up here too. I have. Had, this guy said. Uh, oh, where are these hiding? King Carpenter, oh. Robert England, all the way. Thank you, Ron. I agree. Oh yeah. All hail the king. <laughs> all right, right on. Okay, we're all caught up, and uh, we'll see you next week, Trudy. Thank you again. <laughs> Peace. Thanks.